Welcome to Vision Chat, a podcast about spiritual topics with your hostesses, Virginia and Stina. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Vision Chat. I'm Virginia, and I'm joined by my co-hostess, Stina, who's in Norway. Hi, Stina. Hello. <laughs> and today we are interviewing the lovely Sarah Bueno. And Sarah is a therapist, podcaster, entrepreneur, aspiring witch, and crystal enthusiast. She is the owner and founder of Head Heart Business Therapy, former owner and creator of Head Heart Therapy. She has a very successful podcast, Conversations of a Wounded Healer. And she is also a speaker, teacher, and rock star. Sarah, welcome. <laughs> I like that. I like that addition. I should just add that to my my bio all the time. It's all true. <laughs> please tell us about yourself. Tell us more because I know I miss some stuff. There's you're just such a dynamic person and you do so much. I was trying to go through everything and I'm like, I, knew I missed a bunch of stuff. So no, please- actually, I, I think the only thing I haven't advertised as of recently is like I feel like Mother Earth because I just have discovered plants. <laughs> And so I'm like, I've got this really amazing little witch corner in my office that has all my plants. And I'm just like, look at my babies. They're growing. They're so happy. But you got everything else. Yeah. I love that. I've got my own. I've made some changes. So I only have one little plant. Look. Uh, I and I have the rest somewhere, but they're just, there hasn't been space for them right now. But yeah, yeah I love it. So what else have you got going on, Sarah? There's so much more. I know you're an activist as well, and you're doing all these kinds of uh, things. Fill us in on what you're doing lately. Activist, it's funny. I would not have used that word for myself, but I guess that's what it is. Um, So my buddy, Sarah Suzuki, and I uh, are jumping into a joint venture that we're calling The Sarahs. And uh, we're doing anti-racism work with organizations. And we sort of co-opted and adapted the 12 steps from Alcoholics Anonymous because uh, we actually think that we can use all the tenets of the 12 steps for recovery from white supremacy. And we're really focusing on therapy organizations, addiction centers. Uh, that's our hope to really sort of revolutionize the industry and eliminate white supremacy in the field. So no big deal, just a little thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not a big deal. Uh, you also have a couple of courses on simple practice learning. Yeah, so yeah, I was invited to create some courses for them. Uh, one of them is called Beyond Self-Care because I think my my biggest thing is I really want to help therapists heal. And I think there's a variety of ways to do that. And one of the ways is really encouraging Uh, folks to look a bit deeper into their own process. Why did you become a therapist? How do you maintain your sanity while trying to help people, sometimes people who don't want to be helped? Uh, And just inviting that that deeper level of reflection so that therapists can grow. Um, And also, I I started off as an addiction counselor and so have a, a course on there too about understanding addiction. Congratulations on that because that is a big deal. I think to be able Thanks. to offer those courses for people and to get out there. So that's that's huge. Thank you. Yeah. 
is there anything else you want to share about what you've been working on lately? I know that's a lot, but is there anything else like, I don't know, um, in your spiritual practice that you've been working on or working towards? I am in a process, I think, of accelerated learning right now. In, and I, you know, truthfully, I don't separate my professional life from my spiritual life because I think I think that I've been called to do the work that I do for my soul's evolution in this lifetime. And so to me, what I'm doing in my work is synonymous with, with what I'm trying to do in my personal life. And um, I sold Head Heart Therapy in April now of 2023. And you know, I've created Head Heart Business Therapy and I haven't been advertising it really. I haven't been like seeking clients because I'm I'm in an incubation phase. I'm in, like I said, I, I'm in this place of accelerated learning where I'm getting resources for the work that I know that I'm supposed to do. And it's just not all crystallized yet. So I wish that I had, you know, my elevator pitch for what Head Heart Business Therapy is. Um, but right now it's, it's incubating. And a lot of that is, you know, based on my, my own spiritual development. And, and I mean, I want to, want to fucking raise consciousness. <laughs> like that's what I want to do in the therapy field and in therapy organizations. But I can't just go around saying that because people will be like, what are you talking about? I need to, I need to learn. I, I really want to marry, I think part of my work in this lifetime, because I've been told that in past lifetimes, I've just been a witch, I've been a healer, all this sort of stuff. And I think part of my work in this lifetime, because I'm, I'm Virgo rising, or Virgo, sorry, Virgo um, North Node. So I think I'm supposed to make it concrete in this lifetime. I'm supposed to bring everything I know about what it means to be a healer and concretize it so that it's not so scary or woo-woo or out there for people. Um, so I'm just in the process of figuring out how do I do that? What do I say? Yeah, that's beautiful. Thanks. I heard that you called yourself a witch, but do you have any other terms for yourself? I mean, I think witch, I'm, I, I would say aspiring witch because I am definitely, I'm not a person who could teach anyone else what it means to be a witch. So I am in the process of learning what that means for me. And I really truly came to uh, witchcraft from anti-racism. I was taking this course called Decolonizing Therapy for Black Folks um, with Shauna Murray Brown, who was amazing. And one of the invitations in that course was for white people to get clear on our spiritual practices before colonization. And so I'm I'm German and Irish descent mostly. And so I went to Irish witchcraft. And you know, it's so for me, it's it's not just you know, a woo-woo practice. And I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not like casting spells trying to change anybody else's will. But for me, that's a way to connect to my ancestral history and uh, learn more about myself and where is my place in this vast universe, which feels increasingly small, <laughs> but also powerful at the same time, you know? Yeah, that is so cool also to go back and see what, ancestors or what other people did before and how their practice were as well yeah um do you have any other terms or i think healer is probably what i'm most comfortable with and 
you know, Virginia mentioned my podcast. And, and so I, uh, you know, a lot of people will heal the hear the term healer and think like, oh, I think that I'm like bestowing healing on people. And that's not how I view it at all. I, I think healing is definitely a relational process. And I have tried to, in, in my work, be a person who can uh, allow whatever information needs to go to clients, whatever energy needs to go to clients. Like I allow myself to, to do that work and then people are going to do with it what they're going to do with it, you know? And I, my clients stick around. So I'm going to guess that I, I'm pretty decent at what I do. Uh, and I've been told that I have a healing presence. Um, so that's kind of how I would utilize the term healer, but I don't think I have any other words that I would use for what I do. Can I add empath? I feel like you are very empathetic. You know, I, I was actually on a podcast before um, about highly sensitive people. And I there it's my own childhood wounding that makes me not want to use that term because it's so laden with codependency for me because of my mother. My mother uh, was really challenged with codependency and and presented in a very martyr type way because of the way she interpreted Christianity and you know her wounding as a child of an alcoholic and so when i hear empath i've seen too many people use that as an excuse for martyrdom and i can't associate with that from my perspective but if we're using it in in a way that's clean and clear then yes probably like you know the the technical definition is yes i am an empath i think we should do an episode on um the effect of mothers on all these people <laughs> Woof. All, all of us they call ourselves empaths and healers and empathetic and clairvoyant and the whole thing because i i'm seeing a let's just say i'm seeing a connection here that's not, i'm gonna leave it at that the mother wound is strong so taking it back a little bit to your the origins right like where do you feel like you how did you get into spirituality in the first place or like where how did you become interested in energy work or spirituality i was raised in a really like stereotypical christian midwestern home my mom said Jesus was her best friend, you know, and we were forced to go to church as children. But when I was a teenager, I really actually loved it. I, I found community there. Um, we were Methodist, so, you know, it wasn't evangelical. So I was not wounded by Christianity the way a lot of people were. I was more wounded by my mother's relationship with Christianity. Um, so, you know, I, I remember as a teenager, not understanding why why people were trying to make everybody Christian because that seemed silly to me. I, I I clearly was able to see like, well, God presents himself in different ways to different cultures. So why are we trying to like convert people? Like I was just not into that. So so I think at a young age I was open and interested and believed that there was something greater than me. Um and I think it wasn't until I, my parents died that I really felt like I could build my own idea of what I thought spirituality was. Um, you know, cause I like, I read a little bit about Buddhism and, 
And actually uh, a coworker of mine in Virginia's, Anjali, was the one who said, I think you'll really like Reiki. I think you should go to this training with me where that was the first time I experienced Reiki and it was very powerful. I had definite, I had reactions to it. You know, so I had I had trained in Reiki, but there was there was some sort of barrier that was getting in the way of me really being able to step into what I believed spirituality to be. Um, and I think it was my parents. And so when they died in 2014, it was a real deep dive for me of like, what does this mean? You know, I, my parents died nine months apart and I do not think that's a coincidence. I've been told by mediums that it's not, that they have a contract that they go together in every lifetime. And it, I wanted to know like, where are they? What happens? I wanna, I wanna get more information. And so that's really what started me down a path of, of taking it more seriously, uh, spirituality and my own, my own kind of position in the cosmos. Yeah, that's and very interesting too. It must have been like um, quite a shock as well to have both of your parents living around the same time as well. Yeah, I was wild. You know, I mean, I was, when I turned 35, I had two parents. And when I turned 36, I had none. And I had a very challenging relationship with both of them. So my experience of grief was not sadness. Uh, there was definitely, sadness was a part of it, but it was a spiritual awakening. It was a crisis. It was a crisis of who am I without the definition of being against these two people that, have, that I've had to protect myself from my whole life. And I, I truly believe that if they were still here, I wouldn't be the person that I am today because I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have started my podcast because I would have had to protect myself from my mom because I always felt really invaded by her energy and really like analyzed. Like I wrote poems when I was a kid and I remember trying so hard to write them in such covert language that she wouldn't understand me because I thought she was going to take it from me or she would squash it in some way. And I wrote songs before she died and she was like, tell me what this song means. And I'm like, I don't want to, this is mine. And so I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have created my podcast and had, you know, so many amazing conversations about healing with a variety of different people. I, you know, I, I don't have to protect myself from anyone anymore. Um, at least not, not the people that could harm me more than anybody else. Yeah, that's rough. And it sounds like almost like a blessing in disguise as well, like from the shift to waking up. And I think a lot of people, when they're starting to wake up, they have like some crisis or something yeah. in their life that hits them that hard that they need to wake up or open up for a different type of reality or a yeah. lifestyle, I guess. Yeah, there's a book called the leap i'm looking at it right now it's the psychology of spiritual awakening and i can't remember who the author is and i cannot see it from here his last name is taylor i think it's steve taylor um and that book does i mean he basically did research to catalog what what is the psychology what is what is the process of spiritual awakening and every person has some sort of pain crisis 
Do you have any um, stories from your childhood or youth um, when you like had spiritual experiences? You know, I, I read this question and my initial thought was no. And just as you're saying it right now, oh, I might cry really thinking about this. But, um, you know, I, I told you I, I loved church. I loved being with other people, trying to be better humans, trying to be joyful, trying to just make the world a better place. And we would do these things called lock-ins. I don't know if you know, Stina, I'm guessing you've never heard that term, but so uh, churches would essentially have overnights with the like youth group and they would, they would lock us into the church, which sounds terrifying. I don't know why it's that term, but so, you know, we would be in a church in the middle of the night and, you know, teenagers don't want to sleep. They want to play and they want to talk and, and I remember, I don't know whose church it was, but it wasn't my home church. And I was, I must have been in sixth grade because we were in, and it wasn't everybody. It was just me and I think one other person in the um, sanctuary. And I started singing because that was a gift of mine, still is a gift of mine, hence being a rock star. And I started singing Wind Beneath My Wings because that's, I think, what we were doing in choir at the time. And the power of my voice combined with the acoustics and what we were there for, the purpose of that was really spiritual. And it's it's so funny because even when I say it out loud, there's a part of me that's like, don't, don't be too like, you know, into your own singing voice, right? Like you're making it sound like you're this amazing singer. Well, you know what? I fucking am. It's <laughs> like, I'm a really good singer. And even at, even at 12, I was a really good, my voice changed really early. So I had a depth of my voice and my mom was a beautiful singer. I had her voice. And, and so that moment I remember, cause my friend that was there was like, oh, what just happened? She was like, that was incredible. And it wasn't about me. It was about the energy that was created. And I believe the spirit of God like joined us in that moment. And I remember like she got a bunch of like people to like come and she's like, do it again, do it again, do it again. And so I sang the song again and it didn't land the same way because it wasn't spontaneous. But uh, that's like, that's the only memory I have because I think I was spending a lot of time in survival mode in protection mode. You know, I, I hear I hear other witches talk about, oh yeah, I was making potions and all this stuff when I was a kid. Like I, I wasn't because I think I was just like trying to protect and survive. There was a reason why I intentionally put in Rockstar in your introduction. <laughs> really are. Like no joke, like you have a beautiful, powerful voice. And it it hearing you sing, it is a spiritual experience. Thank you. And I'm glad that you're owning it right now because it's like you don't need to hear it from anybody else, but that you own it and that you know that you do have a very powerful, beautiful voice. Thank and you. it's it's healing. You know, I mean, music was the way I survived. I if if I didn't have that talent, I wouldn't have spent so much time in my room singing. I wouldn't have been in show choir where I felt connection and I felt pride. And, and I got rewarded 
And if I had not had that, I, I, I would have become an addict. I know it um, because I would have looked to numb all the pain that I was experiencing, but I channeled it through music and that true music, music and singing is what helped me survive. And it's funny that I don't have a voice right now because it's been killing me that I can't, I can't just like hum along to a song right now. Cause I just squeak it out. So to not have access to this, this part of me that's been so instrumental, haha, <laughs> pun intended, um, in my, in my survival and my, in my thriving is really wild. Can I ask you, because this is something that's come up. We've done a couple interviews now with people and I'm just really curious because I'm seeing that there's a little bit of a pattern here too. Was there ever any occasion when you like freaked somebody out because of your abilities, but because you said something or knew something and they were like, whoa, how did you know that? Like, did you ever have an experience like that? Yeah, the most most wild thing that ever happened was early in my Reiki days, uh, I volunteered at the VA to give Reiki. You know, most of the time it was just people would come to, you know, relax and people were just sitting. We didn't even have tables. So they'd be like sitting in a chair and we'd be doing the Reiki thing. And I remember this woman, I was working on the right side of her body and I got to her ankles and I was holding her ankles and giving Reiki and the word father, 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 father just kept coming to me and coming. And at the end of it, I said, I just, I don't know why, but the word father keeps coming up for me. And she like, just looked like what? And then I think it was, I don't remember the details, but it was something else about, I think there was like conflict involved. And, and I just said the message that I got and she was just like, she just hugged me just like out of nowhere, just wrapped her arms around me and started sobbing. And I never even knew what it was that I gave her, but it was very clear that I saw something. I heard, I heard something. And it, when for me, it's, it's not audience. It's really just a uh, clairsentience. It's just a knowing. And yeah, it was, that was wild. Nothing. Well, actually, no, I did have one other wild experience that I can share if, if you want me to. Yeah. So, um, psychodrama, uh, are you familiar with that Virginia? So, so psychodrama for people who don't know, it's a, it's a therapy modality where they use theater uh, or like the tenets of theater in order to help people process emotion. And I was in a psychodrama training and the scene that they had set up was the person had lost like several people in her family and I was playing her. So it, they call that the the double. Um, and so, she, you know, she and the director sort of kind of going through the scene and I'm, you know, waiting for my time to, you know, act as her. And I feel a man standing behind me, a tall man. And I kept looking, I'm like right by the wall, but I feel very clearly, he had to be at least six feet tall. I feel the presence, I feel the energy. And again, I sort of get this, I can't remember what the what the name was. Like it wasn't like princess, but a, a diminutive name, you know, that came came into my head. And I wanted so bad to stop the process and be like, your person is here, your person is here. They want me to tell you this thing. But the director was like, shut your mouth, like let this process happen. But then at the end of it, I, you know, I, I hugged her and I was like, I just want to let you know that this person was here and he said this this word and she's like that's what my uncle would call me so it was like holy fucking shit 
it was it more freaked me out i think than anybody else but like this we are not alone like we this shit is real and it happens all the time that's awesome that's a great story well both stories were great right yeah that's amazing i love it when stuff like that happens <laughs> what do you think is like the biggest misconception that people have about spirituality that there's no basis in truth that it's just something made up to make people feel better about how the world works so have you heard of spiral dynamics either of you okay well you're welcome because i just gave you a deep dive to go down and you are gonna love i'll send you a podcast to listen to but spiral dynamics sort of answers this question in a really interesting way it's it's a model of human development of consciousness and it takes you through a journey of not only like individual development of consciousness but also cultural development of consciousness and it starts with level beige which is survival so like caveman days whatever and there so there are different levels and it speaks to wherever people are in their sort of center of gravity of like what they believe that's what they really cling to and in the model of spiral dynamics organized religion is in this blue place of um these are just the rules and this is what we do we follow these rules and that's how the world works and then the orange level which is is the level of consciousness just next and they talk about it not as a hierarchy but as a spiral for a reason we all have all of the levels with inside us there's different levels of health and unhealth it's kind of like you can use it like the enneagram essentially sort of like to learn more about like who you are and and where you are and why you believe what you believe so the orange level is all about uh uh science and logic and so it's like it's just different levels not communicating in the same language. So I've had a lot of examples recently where I'm saying something from my place of trying to create more liberation, trying to create more equity, trying to you know support people's consciousness development, but people are hearing it from either this orange place of logic where it doesn't make sense or they're hearing it from this blue place of but that's not how we do things. And then they're like freaking out at me uh, because I'm saying something that they don't understand, not because they're not intelligent, but because they're not hearing with the same lens that I'm speaking. And so I'm hoping that I'm, I'm, I'm going to do a little work with somebody who knows a lot about spiral dynamics. I'm hoping to learn how to translate what I'm saying in a way that's going to be more impactful because everyone is spiritual. It's just, do you have contact with it or not? Like an atheist is choosing a different connection with spirituality than, than we are, or than, you know, an evangelical Christian or a Muslim or a Jew or right. Like it's just our expressions are different, but our connection is the same. Can you say a little bit more about that? Cause I'm very intrigued because it sounds like what I can relate it to is like, um, when we're doing therapy and we're trying to meet clients where they're at versus where we believe they can be maybe yeah. or where we believe that is the best place or whatever however you want to put yeah. it but it's about coming in with your filter with your sense yeah. of things and then trying to help that per if i come in and i'm saying you can do this or how about i don't know whatever if i'm coming into where it's too i don't know it doesn't yeah. match 
Yeah. When you're at then yeah. I might as well be talking to myself. Exactly. I'm helping anybody. So is exactly. that kind of what you're talking about here? That's exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, I think like language, we've assumed because of the power that we've given to language, that language can explain everything. But if I say the word powerlessness to you, it's going to be a different experience of what you think powerlessness is versus what I think it is coming from a 12-step lens, right? So when I teach, so it's a great example. When I teach about using the 12 steps because I, I'm working in addiction, I'm teaching future addiction counselors, they got to understand 12 step or they're going to do a lot of harm, right? Because 12 step is a way that a lot of people get sober. If, you, if you've been a person who's gone through the 12 steps and have found it helpful, you will probably say that powerlessness saved your life because recognizing that you are powerless over drugs and alcohol, there's actual empowerment in that. But if you're coming from the outside looking in, you're saying, you're telling people to give up their power and that's not right. Does that make it more clear? Because like you're hearing something that I'm not saying and I think, so I'm gonna get really woo woo on you. I think, I think that we're being called to evolve beyond language because language is not helping us understand one another, right? Especially with the political divide that we're in right now. It's like we liberals are saying things and conservatives are hearing something totally different. And it's just because we have these different definitions of this silly language that is just not a complete way to express what's actually going on. So I'm gonna get woo-woo too, which I love that you you're going there. <laughs> so I mean, I I feel like there's a connection with, okay, don't don't laugh, but like love, right? So that's another absolutely in language, like you're saying, so many things can be. You can say something, somebody else, depending on their filters, are hearing something different, understanding things differently. But if we're connecting on another level, like something spiritual or something beyond language, maybe love is universal. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And it's not just love, but I think it's also acceptance of, so this is where Spiral Dynamics has really, like, really helped me put my own issues into context. So in Spiral Dynamics, they talk about um, transcending but including. So the levels are not a hierarchy because every level is necessary for our development. Generally, what they say happens is that people look forward. So like whatever level is, you know, coming next, they look forward with fear, right? So conservatives are seeing trans people who are probably in level yellow, which is the second tier thinking, which is a whole other thing I can't really explain, but they're looking at trans people who are, I think, more evolved than quote unquote normal people on the binary. I truly think their brains work in expansive ways that we don't. And so conservatives are looking forward and they're saying those people are dangerous. Uh, and then we look behind in disdain. So the conservative people are looking at people who are like more mystical and, and like then that's, that's, that's not reality. Like that's not how we do things. Um, and so for me, being able to look at people who don't understand where I'm coming from with love and with compassion and with an understanding that this, this journey is human development. This is just how it works. Because what I've been doing is looking back in disdain and saying, what's wrong with you? Why don't you get it? 
And that's been getting in the way of me doing my work. So I think you're absolutely right. That's huge, Sarah. And the thing is, being aware of it is one thing and practicing right. and feeling it is a whole other thing, especially right. when you're very passionate about the things that you're talking about. Right. And you just talked about, you know, like all this change and you in particular in this lifetime, you know, your goal being like, okay, how do I make this more concrete? Right. And so you have to then work this, I don't know, that maintain this balance of like, I'm going to go in this with the passion that I have for what I believe in. And then also, how do I bring in the compassion piece when people are like, no, that's not what right. we want here. We don't agree with that. That's right. nonsense. We don't want to do it. Right. That's tough. Yep. Do you have any advice to give someone that is like interested in exploring their abilities or opening up to the spiritual realm? That's a really good question. I think learn about power before you begin exploring spirituality because I think that there are a lot of really dangerous people who are using spirituality to harm people. And I think that getting really clear on where your personal power is and learning how to trust yourself before you enter into a space where people are taking you to places that are you know, not our normal day-to-day -day work. I've been harmed in too many therapeutic organizations. And I know that in the spiritual realm, I think it's even more dangerous because they don't have the ethical codes that we have in, in the psychology fields. So that would be my first offering is there's an organization I just started training with and I love them. And I cannot tell you how excited I am about their work. It's called The Right Use of Power. And I think they have named uh, the way that power works in such a beautiful and nuanced way that can help people protect themselves and use their own power for good. Once you feel really connected to yourself and your own personal power, then just go explore, right? Find what interests you, right? It doesn't matter. Like, I think when I first started this, I was like, okay, there's clearly a, a very planned out way that this must be done to make sense of it. And it's like, no, like I, first I was excited about crystals. So I learned about crystals and I took some classes and then I got excited about witchcraft. And so I joined a couple of witchcraft communities. Now I'm excited about plants and I'm learning about propagation and it's all, you know, it, it's just whatever lights you up, but just stay connected to that, that personal power and knowing what's true inside of you, just never be in a community where people are telling you that you don't know what's true for you inside. It's so funny that you're saying this because we've been, like I said, we've talked to a couple people and when we get to this question, this is what people are saying. Good. Don't give up your power. Good. Be in your heart space or follow your heart, do what's right for you. Just because someone else says they're, they're the authority on something, that's all good, but it doesn't mean that they know what's right for you. Ultimately, you're the one that knows what's right. Yes, agreed. Is there anything that you would have done differently on your journey looking back? I'm always jealous of people who got to explore these things earlier in life. You know, when I hear people say like, oh yeah, I found Buddhism when I was 13. Like, I guess there's probably a timeline that exists somewhere where I had access to that information and then you know, became enlightened at the age of 30 or 40. You know, it's, I think, I think it's a, a fantasy of my own ego wanting to somehow achieve the thing. There's nothing else I could have done differently. Like I am, 
I know I'm on my path and I am so like, there's shit going on in my life. Sure. But I'm so happy. I am. I've never been, I guess, so aligned with who I believe I'm supposed to be in this world. I, I was just thinking, cause I, I, I did this right use of power training last weekend and this weekend. And, and I was just recognizing like, I am so in integrity now. I didn't used to be in integrity because I was in so much pain and I felt like I had to hide parts of myself or I had to lie to get my needs met and cover things up. And I, and I had relationships that were so tumultuous and my emotions were all over the place, but now I'm in alignment and I'm in integrity. And for the most, for the better part of my relationships, I also have called in relationships where people also meet me with integrity and that doesn't mean we're without conflict, but like we've agreed to show up in ways that honor each other. And that's really different from when I was in my twenties and my thirties. So I'm, I, I don't think I could have done it differently. I think I need it. Just, you know, transcend and include. I needed all of that messy shit to get me to the place where I am now. And I'm really grateful for it. That's awesome, Sarah. Is there you know, any like surprising, are there surprising ways that you use your abilities or like that you use your spiritual gifts in day to day? Uh, Wordle. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> it's really, really funny. Do it when, no more. <laughs> when I, so I play Wordle every day and I, I have a friend who always posts it on his Facebook and then like he's got a bunch of people that will come and, and share theirs. And when I allow myself to tune in, I do better. I have solved it in one word. And it's because I sat with my intuition <laughs> and I guessed the right word to start. Like, it's silly. It's so silly, but it works. Like, That's and I, awesome. I mean, obviously I don't like get it in one or two every time, but I can tell when I'm more connected to spirit versus when I'm just like, trying to solve the puzzle with logic how different it is it's not silly at all actually you make a really important point well stina and i are venturing out in our new business and we're um setting up our school to teach people because we want them to have the experience that we both have you're setting up a school oh yes. god i love it so we want to teach people and that's one of the one of the you know fundamental things that we talk about is like the non-effort like yeah. if you can just relax, tune in, follow your, trust yourself, follow your intuition, it flows. And let's also say, because I think if we don't make that a little bit more nuanced, people get into blaming. Because I, I think of a client that I had right when I first started my practice. And one of the things she said to me is, I have read all the self-help books. I have done all of the things and I still can't make a better life for myself. And I didn't know then, now I would say, and this relates to my own journey, if you're still living in trauma, you're not going to be able to meet your path. This has to coincide with your own trauma healing. I believe that every single one of us has been traumatized, especially since the pandemic, right? I think that most of us suffered some childhood trauma, not necessarily because your parents were bad people, but because... We just didn't know enough about psychology and what children actually needed in order to really foster like loving, compassionate development of humans. I think that's changing now with Gen Z. 
I think, and I think it's obvious, like consciousness has developed. And so Gen Z has a more conscious awareness, right? So you have to do your trauma work, not necessarily before, but you can do it in conjunction, but do not blame yourself if you're having problems manifesting the life that you want. Cause we also have to talk about white supremacy, right? And capitalism getting in the way um, and your own trauma histories. Yes, very important. Very important. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. What's your next step on your spiritual journey? What are you working on next? I, the spiritual dynamic stuff. Um, so Trace Bell is the person that I, I signed up for coaching with. And I'll send you his podcast with his dad where they talk a lot about spiral dynamics. Um, but so I'm doing a little coaching with him because I told him my mission is to help therapists heal and I think what's getting in the way is my inability to communicate on these different levels of awareness. And so that's that's what we're going to do. And it's like, you know, it's an inside out process of, you know, learning how this has worked in my life to be able to learn how it might be working in other people's lives and and to help people access uh, more than just, you know, whatever center of gravity they're kind of hovering at. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, do you have any favorite books or podcasts or YouTube channel that you would like to recommend to other people? I mean, Conversations with a Wounded Healer comes to mind on my podcast. Um, trying to think. It's funny. My, my podcast habits are more in the true crime and educational space um, than it is spirituality. It's like, I don't know. I'd rather live it than... Uh, than listen to it all the time maybe it's my it's my escape um yeah uh the, the podcast i was going to send to you about spiral dynamics it's a series within the rob cast which is rob bell is is the guy that talks a lot about spiral dynamics and he is i think he's a former pastor i don't know if he still calls himself but he's he's a pastor that the conservatives hate so you know he's probably doing something right if conservatives are telling them that he's dangerous um and the series is called me we and everybody and so there's four episodes that are each an hour long that talk about spiral dynamics if people want to learn more about that okay well how can people find you do you want to be found i you can find me i don't know that i'll have a lot for you right now because i'm in this incubation phase but uh headheartbiztherapy.com is my website, headheartbiztherapy on Facebook and Instagram, conversations with a wounded healer. You can find me wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Sarah, I can't thank you enough. We're both, Stina and I are both very grateful for your time, for your energy. Thank you for the beautiful conversation that we just had. And I, I feel like I took a class, so I learned a lot. I took notes. Aww. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, this was really fun. I appreciate it.